politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for every issue that matters in the way it matters and at the time it matters. Yes, it is that precise here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for a brand new week, but the last day in July. The summer is flying by fast. Uh, sure, good to be a congressman where you get six weeks vacation, but we'll only be taking a couple days at the end of the month, so we're going to be here full force, and full force we are as the week uh, begins and the news cycle begins anew. Obviously, a lot going on in the campaign news, but I want to talk about something more important than the campaign today, although it does reflect it as it reflects many issues. Whatever happened to our reckoning? You know, we kind of went through something pretty big the last couple of years, where we were shut down, our mouths and noses were closed for months on end, schools were closed, they created a virus, we all agree, they purposely created a virus and unleashed it on people, and it's not just a one-off, that is what vaccine research is, it turns out, that's what we should have all learned, that is what gain-of-function is, they're doing it everywhere, they're doing it all over the place, they blocked treatments that would have saved lives, They created the vaccine that did untold harm that's still reverberating today. We still have news coming out every day about the shocking short-term damage from it, and we're still learning the midterm and certainly long-term damage from it. So there's about five to seven different buckets just within public health alone that needs to be reckoned with. And we are nowhere to doing nowhere near doing it. And it's not even like they're kind of lying low. They're trolling us. They approved RSV. They're going to approve uh, a new COVID shots for the f- fall. They approved an anthrax shot. They're working on a dengue fever shot. They're working on more gain of function. And again, it's not just a matter of COVID or viruses, or even health. It's a matter of if you watch carefully the Biden administration, the UN, and the WHO, they're making it very clear that they are going to use that paradigm for other emergency powers now that people are acculturated to this. And the first most obvious use of it is going to be global warming, and that's why they've been shrieking the last number of weeks about record high temperatures when it's not even true. Most of the U.S. has had a below average spring and summer, certainly here in the mid-Atlantic. We we, we had a New England-like spring, and until last week, it was really below average, and then, you know, now this week again, it's actually pretty pleasant where I am, which is not too far from the nation's capital, where any lawmaker would realize that this is not true. And we are nowhere, nowhere near or nowhere closer than we were a year, a year and a half ago when we really started pushing for this reckoning to even dealing with the emergency powers, much less vaccines and gain of function and everything that is going to be provided in, in its wake. 
And again, we have a lot of appropriation bills, reauthorization bills. Certainly we have the states that could do some of this stuff. And there is no movement in place. And I know some of you might have seen Steve Dace, who is my partner in crime, Rise of the Fourth Reich, my co-author, he put out on Twitter yesterday, he's like, I'm struggling emotionally trying to figure out how we don't have a reckoning. How everyone just goes on with life as if this is just fine. And I want to discuss why there's been no reckoning, why we absolutely still need one, even more now than ever. I'm more convinced of it, that it wasn't a one-off. And the leverage points and the rallying cries we need. So on the first point, why there's been no reckoning, I think there are two factors and they meet in the middle. Two factors, as one is natural, but it's augmented by the fake, disgusting conservative media. So let's just go with the natural part, especially if you are not if you don't have a media apparatus that informs and educates the public on the extent of what is going on, where it's coming from, and where it's headed. So obviously, people are just going to see what's right in front of them. So for example, we've talked a lot about long economic COVID. Everything we are suffering from economically is a result of that. But that's not readily available to people. It's not readily apparent. So... Some of it is the fact that we are taking God's blessing and turning it into a curse. And and it's really true. God gives a person a a blessing that they could adapt to what what is around them. It is truly amazing. Like, I always wonder, how in the world did people live before air, air conditioning? I love my air conditioning. I can't live without it. I hate being hot. But people did. And, you know, you might think you can't last for 10 minutes, but you get thrust into a situation the ability of a human being to cope is unreal. It really is. And, and more than that, commensurate with how bad something is how good the relief feels thereafter when that iteration of harm and pain goes away that you kind of forget about it. I mean, not to be crude here, but the old bathroom analogy, when someone has a really bad stomach ache and they go to the bathroom, well... In some ways, they kind of feel or at least perceive that they feel better at that moment than they felt even before they, they got the stomach virus. That, 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 in, that, that relief feels euphoric. So what happened was, because we took life for granted, when the lockdown stopped and the mandates stopped, you know, it felt better than ever just to walk outside, to be among friends, to... Have life go back to normal, to not have the kind of apparent supply chain shortages even as prices went up. Wherever you go, and you know, the people who died, died. From the virus, which is a bioweapon, from the vaccine, which is another bioweapon, closely related, obviously. And life went on. We're not going to talk about remdesivir every day and ivermectin every day, and you know, obviously not. So it goes on. So that, that is a natural feeling. But, but the, the second factor is the subversive nature of the controlled opposition of conservative media. So, as I, as I warned, there was a window where 
kind of the vaccine mandates were still affecting people a little bit. Picture early to mid-2022. And that's when I was really like, I was like, look, now, because before then, people were bought into it. I'm just telling you, you look at the polling, you go back to certainly 2020, but even depending on the issue through 2021, largely a good segment of Republican voters and certainly all independents bought into this crap. So you move on to 2022, it became unpopular. And the left is so good, and we said this from day one. I said this with the lockdown when they were transitioning to masking. I was like, I would rather almost stay locked down for another week to properly fight this. So we, so we know what normal is where we don't allow them to acculturate us to this new normal. And I was right. So, so we had this kind of tiny window where I said it's unpopular. People still kind of feel or remember the pain. And we need to make significant policy changes. And we really had an opportunity to do this in red states and did not do it. And now it's really like, oh, that's old hat. I mean, conservative candidates told me this in their in their internal polling, like congressional polling. It just people didn't care anymore. Yeah, COVID's over. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it. But meanwhile, it's all lurking around, and they could only have that feeling if you can go for months and years without my colleagues ever, ever mentioning it. I mean, I shouldn't say ever, but once in a while you'd have Tucker indulge it as a talking point, but they never drove a narrative. So people didn't see it. So all they saw was what was in front of them, and now it's not, so they're done. They're not being denied treatment. They don't need treatment now. They either had to get the vaccine and suffered from it, or they didn't and skated away without it, but now there's no new mandates. Yet, I could not have envisioned, based on the speed and depth of information that was coming out throughout 2022 on the excess deaths and the harms and everything, I could not have believed that we would be here more than halfway through 2023, and we have not moved the needle one inch on vaccines. I think the public polling shows it but not, not in terms of policy. Because every movement requires leadership. And leadership is something we lack. That's the reality. That's why we are where we are. Because we don't have a movement. Every second, I'm like, here's the FDA you know, um, appropriation bill, the HHS approves bill. Here's the pandemic and hazard preparedness reauthorization bill. Boom, here's, here's the, you know, we, we fought the state legislative sessions. I pushed and pushed and pushed. The last three years of state legislative sessions. We don't have a movement doing that. And that's why we are where we are. It's going to have to get much worse. And that is what is so scary. So that's why we are where we are. Why, why, why do we absolutely need a reckoning? Again, they have not stopped the biolabs and the gain of function one inch. They have not stopped the vaccines one inch. They have accelerated them. It was like, oh, warp speed was, you know, historically, whenever you have a product that is really bad, it gets swept under the rug. This was different. They're like, go big or go home. They're open about their desire to make warp speed the new paradigm. And indeed, that's what they're doing. So at a time when we should have all stood up and recognized, wait a minute, 
even the existing vaccines, we've at a minimum been, li- been lied to. At a minimum, they weren't as tested, as proven safe, as proven necessary, depending on which one, and effective defend- depending on which one, as, as we were told. And we should have had a reckoning on that. They just steamed ahead with RSV. And now, literally, we're, we're, we're about six weeks away from, I shouldn't say six weeks, more like four weeks away, from a therapeutic jihad where they are going to at every pharmacy and doctor's office say, are you up on your flu shot, your RSV shot, and COVID shot? So just as excess deaths are finally, finally waning, although not everywhere, still in many, many countries, in East Asia, South America, the UK, is still with the excess deaths. And obviously the low birth rates are really continuing everywhere. They're going to rejuvenate it by dumping inflammation in so many people. And again, the brilliance of their strategy, and I've been warning about this for a year, I said, look, they ran out of rope to push shots in terms of a frantic, urgent need, like there's a pandemic. But what they are going to do is is revisit this as an endemic scheme. Oh, well, you know, you, you have to be up to date. You're up to date on your flu shot, right? Everyone gets their flu shot. They don't fear dying the next day, but it's kind of something you do. You get an oil change. Well, this is what you do. That's how they groom people into this therapeutic jihad. So they're just going to say, hey, you know, you're right. COVID is kind of endemic now, but, you know, you just want to make sure you're up to date, especially if you're pregnant, you're senior, And of course, those are the people most likely to be harmed by it. And then, of course, the premise that they could go ahead and block treatments, we have done nothing to prevent that. What, we're going to wait till it happens again? And then again, the emergency powers. They will absolutely do that with global warming. They will do that. Remember, We had a severe shutdown. We had the closure of human beings' mouths and noses. There's quite literally nothing they won't do to you. And in fact, I could think of most things they'll do to you. It wouldn't even rise to the severity of what they already did. So people think, well, you know, we went through a full shutdown. We could have rolling blackouts when it gets very, uh, very hot in the summer or cold in the winter. This is absolutely going to happen. They're doing it. I haven't had time in the last couple months of news to go through all the daily news on this, but um, let's start off with the gain of function. So some of you might have seen this big story over the weekend out of California. They discovered a bio lab run by Chinese, or at least the Chinese owner, in Fresno County, California. It was basically full of lab mice, medical waste, and hazardous materials, And they found over 900 mice were located at the facility. Court documents identify Wang Zalin as the prestige representative on site during the investigation. That's what it was called, prestige. So it's a Chinese dude. Zolin informed the investigators that these mice were genetically engineered to catch and carry the COVID-19 virus. From May 2nd through May 4th, the CDC's Division of Select Agents and Toxins inspected 850 I Street and Fresno court documents confirm the CDC found potentially infectious agents at the location that included all sorts of things like E. coli, strep, hepatitis B and C, herpes, 
and rubella. They also found samples of malaria. Now, I, I don't know if this is real or not in the sense of California and the CDC and the media is being too open and transparent about it. And they're literally willing to mention like a Chinese name. So either this is true and we have these labs right here in America where, you know, that are unaccounted for, or if it's not true, it's just in the sense that they're gaslighting that, oh, it's the Chinese doing it when really the China is kind of a distraction and it's the U.S., the military and, and, you know, DOD, HHS doing this. But either way, we know they are doing this everywhere. We know every Republican's like, this, this is not natural. Okay, everyone knows this is not natural. Everyone knows this was created. Millions of people died from the virus, the blocking of treatment. But again, and, and, and then the vaccine. But, but, but again, the, the virus is the vaccine in the sense of this is all vaccine research gain of function doesn't mean anything to people that's a new term that people are just finding out what that is the real term that should be used is vaccine research or really vaccine creation or really bioweapon creation that is what gain of function is so all these republicans running around oh fauci fauci needs to be punished a it's much bigger than fauci it's the military and intel B, it's much bigger than COVID. C, this has been going on a lot longer than we think. And a good number of viruses that have plagued us post-World War II, particularly ones that they tried to get vaccines off of and often did, were created by vaccine research. I mean, that, that is one of the biggest frauds of the entire century. Okay, you know, as we're kind of discovering the rationale for certain vaccines, the safety, the efficacy, which we need to do. But it's also important to remember that a good number of these viruses were created through that. I mean, RSV was absolutely created through gain of function. And clearly many others. So there is no effort to audit. You know, they're all like, we can't have gain of function. But you have to define it. It's any bit of trying to enhance the pathogenicity or the contagion of a strain. That needs to be outlawed, public and private. And there needs to be civil and criminal causes of action for individuals to bring that we are harmed. Just like someone could say, I don't want, you know, you have all these... uh." Um, environmental lawsuits that are grounding nuclear energy and other things to a halt, you need that level warfare, legal warfare against gain of function. Don't just like wave it around as a talking point. That's what Republicans do. That's an action item we need. It's unbelievable how we've gone through this, killed millions of people, destroyed lives, Destroyed the economy to this very day. We're in a vicious cycle now that we can't get out of. Of debt and inflation. And there is no effort to deal with this. And they are planning more vaccines this fall. They've already approved RSV. 
know, let's just go through some of uh, some of the news we have. This is from Daily Skeptic. For and it was really Peter McCullough brought this up. There is a new paper in Frontiers in Neurology that finds that those who had a COVID infection within three weeks of their first dose of the shot were up to eight times increased had an eight times increased risk of stroke compared to those who are unvaccinated who are vaccinated but did not have a post jab infection. They didn't have a comparison to unvaxed. But what you do see is a smoking gun there because you have vax that had the virus that didn't. As you as we noted, when you prime the system, it's like having a, a room full of gas and you light a match. It was It's not just that, oh, they didn't need a vaccine if you already had COVID. But if you get the vaccine and had COVID or get the vaccine and then later get COVID, which, as we've learned, you're more likely to do so because the more you inject, the more you infect. Well, guess what happens? it now triggers a sort of autoimmune attack because your body is primed for action. And it's neurological, autoimmune. Um, this is out of Emory University in Georgia. Frontiers in Neurology. And they look state- at a statewide database of 5 million adult Georgians who received at least one shot from the very beginning all the way through March 2022. And they found there was an eight times increased risk of ischemic stroke and a five times increase of hemorrhagic stroke. And again, we, we you, know, you know, there's one thing you say, well, it didn't have a complete control group against the unvaccinated. But the reality is we've seen this. <laughs> Strokes that the brain bleeds, all this stuff. Emory University here. Not some uh, random right-wing place. Then, of course, Mandy Cohen, this new animalistic CDC director who hasn't been Senate confirmed yet, they're likely to recommend annual COVID shots similar to flu. Just like I told you. We're just on the precipice of that, so I don't want to get ahead of where our scientists are. But yes, we anticipate that COVID will become similar to flu shots, where it's going to be you get your annual flu shot and you get your annual COVID shot. And she left that RSV. Do you understand the degree of immune suppression, autoimmune, cancers? I mean, the three together, what they're going to cause, there is no greater pro-life issue. And again, there's no enlightened consent. You might laugh at people, you deserve it. But, you know, you go to your doctor, they pressure you, they make you feel stupid, it's endemic. This is what they're going to do. How is this still funded with all the information we have? We just have that Swiss study. One in 35 in University of Basel hospital workers had heart damage. One in 19 at elevated troponin levels which is potentially a sign of subclinical myocarditis. We're talking about numbers like 1 in 19 and 1 in 35. That's, uh, that boggles the mind. And it still hasn't been pulled. Not just hasn't been pulled. They have a new COVID shot, and based on that same paradigm, proved RSV shots. No problem. We're just going to keep this going. There is no reckoning. And... um. 
there's a reason there's no reckoning. It takes too much, too many brain cells to cover this issue, first of all. So my colleagues are stupid as hell. But also, admit to Trump. I mean, I'm sick of dancing around the issue. This was under his watch. It wasn't like, you know, sometimes you have a couple weeks and Biden took over. I mean, he was there for 10 months of it. You know, I want to play a clip from Mitt Trump, July 30th. This is very late, July 30th, 2020. Okay, we're, we're going to the lockdowns now. It's not the vaccine. So this wasn't April. This was months after we all knew the thing was a scam, the lockdowns. Take a look at what he said. Very quick clip here about states reopening. And this is July 30th. Take a listen. But there are many states out there that are looking at this and they're reviewing it and they're saying we shouldn't be even included in this. You know, there are some that want to open up almost now. Now, if we disagree with it, we're not going to let them open. We're not going to let them open. If some governor said, you know, has a lot of problems, a lot of cases, a lot of death and they want to open early, we're not going to let it happen. Do you hear that, folks? If states are going to do it, we are going to stop them. So all these Trump supporters, they project on him a view that doesn't exist. They're like, what are you talking about? It was the, it was the governors who did it. He, he was very, and he said this multiple times. He tweeted it out in a famous thing. It's my decision. This is what he was doing months into it. And they wonder why he lost the election. Nominating Trump after COVID is like putting a Muslim crescent on a 9-11 memorial. This should be the issue of our time again. It's all of life. It's all of liberty. It's all of economy. And that's before you branch out to the precedents that it set for every other thing they want to do to us. Emergency powers wise. But, but make no mistake about it. Had COVID occurred a year later, or had there been a Democrat president a year earlier, there would have been a very different reaction. I I want you guys to think about that, excogitate on that, ponder it for, for, for several minutes. I want you guys to stop and think about that. Imagine if you had the most draconian things ever done when, like, Hillary was, let's say Hillary would have been president. You could have only imagined the Nurse Ratchet things, the Nurse Ratchet memes that people would have come up with and rejected. But I always felt that, and we asked that at the time. We were like, this went on. And I'm, I'm not even getting to the vaccines yet, which is a little bit more nuanced. Traditionally, most people like vaccines, so it's, you know, it, it took some time. I get that. But I'm talking about things that we all knew were wrong. We talk about liberty our entire careers all these baby boomer talk show hosts. And then here, this is not a drill. This is real life. This is the worst tyranny we've ever had on American soil in the settlement of this continent. I mean, and that's, not, that's not a hard determination to make. You, you can't breathe and the school's shut down and the people are arrested. I mean, crazy things. And it wasn't just the clamor of the you know, kind of immediate days in March. It went on and on and on. And it was a very muted response. They kept satiating themselves just on the same political soap opera. I don't understand the political amnesia 
is utterly insane, but, it, but it's also a teachable lesson. This is how often when you have Republicans that are in power, when the left purposely induces this stuff, when they are, you're worse off because you don't, you're not able to harness a, a, a critical mass of opposition to it. That's what really scares me. But yeah, I mean, here we are. Nothing has changed. Now, the public is a little better, at least on vaccines. Uh, there's a Pew poll that shows March 2023. So in 2019, 79% of Republican voters believed in school mandates, like the vaccination schedule. Now it's down to 57. So it went down 22 points, but still way too high. After everything we've gone through, how could people still be this stupid when you see the fact that if a vaccine works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. What sort of thing is it? I don't want my kids to go to school with someone who didn't get an MMR. Well, if you your kid has it and you believe it works so much that you need to violate natural law and, and really you know induce one of the greatest tyrannies on a human body, that's got to be a pretty high threshold, right? I mean, that thing really works. No, my kid's going to get it. Well, then it doesn't work. And by the way, it's something I learned. I always thought the MMR worked. But, you know, the more you read around with, you know, there's been a lot of measles and mumps outbreaks last number of years. I used to think it was the illegals bringing it in that weren't vaccinated. But turns out they have high vaccination rates in Central America. Um, but anyway, I mean, you, it's open source. You could read it all over. Peter McCullough talks about this in Spain and Portugal. There's a big measles outbreak. Um, they, they were vaccinated. You know, so the efficacy is just not where where it was. It was a big scam. It really is. So then garbage in, garbage out. But we have not enshrined, again, Rise of the Fourth Reich. This is why we wrote the book as an action item oriented thing. And we're going to still push them. We're going to have a big announcement, by the way, maybe later this week, maybe next week about the next phase. Just what we want to do with um, Rise of the Fourth Reich to help a very, very special cause that is tied into this. But there has not been a reckoning. It's still going on. You have, where, where is this? In Australia, the, the UK Guardian, roller coaster of sickness. How a horror flu season is catching Australian families off guard. About 69% of people admitted to hospital with confirmed influenza since April are under 16. Where do you think that's coming from? We have endless studies showing this. It was literally in the children's Moderna and Pfizer clinical trials that were fabricated, but even they admitted it's it's right there that the trial group had a much higher rate of respiratory illness. And that was short-term. You can only imagine long-term. You have Iger Chudov has a great article on this in a uh, an article published in JAMA, the top journal. Cassidy and Cassidy et al., a lot of different authors there, assessment of adverse reactions, antibody patterns, and 12-month outcomes in the mother-infant diod after COVID-19 mRNA vaccination pregnancy. They looked at 76 pregnant women for outcomes. And what he's trying to show is that there was a massive dose dependency on fetal anomalies because um, Moderna is a much higher dose, 100 micrograms rather than 30, and you see it. So you see that's the relationship. 
there was a 17.7%. Again, it's a small number. The sample size is small, but these are alarming, alarming numbers that, you know, it's not my problem. Oh, Daniel, you can't prove anything. It's too small of a sample size. No, this is a red flag that you need to follow up on. 17.17% of NICU admissions. I think he he posts here that it's more than, it's twice the normal rate. Preeclampsia was 25% in the mothers. The background rate is 4.6%. 8.8% of infants born to Moderna vaccinated mothers had congenital anomalies. That was much more than Pfizer, which is a lower dose. Four babies out of the 34 Moderna, so that's 11.8%, were preterm. So, and then they also, the one pregnancy was terminated and the mother was excluded from the data set, it says. So there's all that stuff. Meaning, this is what we can glean, but when you look at what we know, that they basically, a good number of the AEs, they would just kick them out of the sample. Uh, they did this multiple times. Obviously, we have in Peru, the Guillain-Barre syndrome, they declared an emergency on Guillain-Barre. So you have that. Um, and by the way, Pfizer knew, we now know, they knew of 1,550 cases of Guillain-Barre as of July 2022 in the European documents that we talked about. In VAERS, there are 17,125 Bell's palsies, um, several thousand cases of Guillain-Barre. And yeah, I mean, it's nonstop. It is nonstop. And it, it's only going to get worse. Over 4 million, inc- in- there's been an, an over 4 million increase in disability since March 2021 in the U.S. That's a 13% increase, which is astounding for a number that large and fixed. Those employed with a disability grew by 33%. 33%. So there's there's people that aren't in the labor force. There's people that are still working and they have these chronic illnesses. I mean, there's a lot of people suffering, but it's amazing. People just move on because there's no one guiding them on this. No one pushing for a committee on vaccines. I'm just kind of reading through random things I haven't gotten a chance to go through. The rate of cardiac arrest diagnosis in Israel jumped 192% in 2021 from 2020 and then jumped 225% from that level in, in 2022. I don't know about this year. So, I, I mean, we're at the point where there's no amount of data that will prove anything. We need a political movement in the red states and in Congress to push. But, you know, that takes effort. That takes brains. And one thing I know about my colleagues is they're lazy and dumb. So... You know, it's a lot easier just to talk about the latest, uh, oh, Trump this, that. And it's like, you know, I'm sick of hearing this. Like, I'm sick of believing in their causes more than they do, if you know what I mean. So, you know, one of the things I find so harmful about Trump is that I actually do believe in a lot of the things his he and his minions are putting out, they are true. They are a problem. DOJ, of course, is a problem. The weaponization and the targeting and the corruption. It's a huge problem. Election anomalies and the mail-in ballot stuff, 
was a huge problem. But all the more so, he ruins it. He dips our gold into feces and then we can't message it because it's become so unpopular. And then he himself is not serious about it. And then it comes out that is, and people know that. They look at, they, they believe it's all because he just wants to save face. Again, you have, who's that dude? Um, the campaign manager from last time. I forgot his name. But Bill Sepian saying that the stop the steal was a lie. Jason Miller was saying that. And then you have, you know, Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony, Mark Meadows' aide, that he believed it was a joke. Now, we laughed her off. We said she was just a disgruntled employee and the left was using her, Liz Cheney and whatever. And I felt that as well. But, I mean, now that you have on tape the top two Trump campaign aides saying that, I mean... Makes you wonder if what she's saying was true. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, this is what they'll do. They'll be like, it's stolen, it's stolen. And they'll go, you know, it wasn't really stolen. And the irony is we believe it. Now, again, I don't believe there was this spectacular kind of like, you know, hocus pocus stuff. And I do believe had he not run a stupid campaign and literally he campaigned on Fauci. He had an ad, Fauci in an ad. He would have won by a margin that was beyond what they could have cheated with. And number two is, in other words, how was the election stolen? The election was stolen in the following way. It was stolen like the Time Magazine piece that came out right after the election, the collaboration, CISA. I mean, that is stealing an election. When you have government intel agencies basically working with the Democrats to censor one side of a campaign, I mean, that is cheating. That is a form of, of cheating. Um, obviously, the illegal um, mail-in ballots that were not pursuant to law and when you saw the the rate of approval being exponentially greater, even though there are first timers filling them out and many more, and all studies have shown that first timers make more errors. So that I know was is problematic. Anything beyond that, I don't know. But that alone, I think, did make up the margin. I do believe it's a problem. But he makes it so difficult. It's the same thing when he says, yeah. Fight the debt ceiling when I'm not president. Oh, well, why aren't you doing president? Well, I was president then. They know he's not serious. So it's the same thing here with DOJ. I'm like, yeah, it's a big problem. So they should stay in through the August recess and build the case for defunding the prosecutions against Trump. I, I, I want to fight on something. So if you're not going to do it on everything we're talking about, with, which is life, liberty, economy, our way of life, our standard of living, the COVID fascism, biomedical security, surveillance, the tranny stuff, the border, green energy. At least do it on the Trump thing. But no, they go out of town. And there's a bunch of articles out there that Trump is leaning on McCarthy to impeach, to file impeachment against Biden. I'm like thinking, wait a minute. We are told that your life is on the line and we need to stop everything we're doing to defend Trump. So how does filing impeachment against Biden help? Now, in a vacuum, you'd say, well, maybe it would be a deterrent and maybe they would drop it. But that would only be if you had 67 votes in the Senate to remove him, which not only do they not have that there's only 49 Republicans, but no more than 20 or so Senate Republicans will vote for it. Republicans are terrible there. So if anything, you'll look like a fool because typically even the failed impeachments we've had, you know, Andrew Johnson... 
and Bill Clinton and Trump, they wore party lines. So all the ones, pretty much all the ones, most of the ones in the party against the president did vote for it. Here you're going to have every Democrat and half the Republicans, maybe even more than half, it will actually backfire. Right? The, he, he doesn't fear for a second being removed from office. So it's not going to deter. So what's the point? It's like, you know, there, there, there's fire in my house. And let's say I blame my neighbor. Now, I could go and try to light a fire on his house. But again, it's not a good analogy because this won't light the fire. It won't do anything to him. But, or I could put, I, I, I don't need fire on his house. I need water on my house. So why is he pushing McCarthy into impeachment, but not into defunding the DOJ, saying that we will not issue a DOJ? There's actually two leverage points. There's the DOJ appropriation bill, but there's also the fact that the FBI as an agency, um, it has not been reauthorized like formally in a standalone bill in years. I forget how long. How is it operating? Because the last NDAA included an FBI reauthorization. That runs out with the NDAA September 30th, right around the corner with the fiscal year. My understanding is that Jim Jordan, as Judiciary Committee Chairman, needs to sign off on any appropriation for the FBI without an author if it's not authorized. So there's a standing rule that you can't appropriate something that hasn't been authorized unless the committee chair with jurisdiction signs a waiver. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is there's a whole other level that even if McCarthy and leadership like, ah, we're going to fund DOJ, here's the DOJ approach, or we'll pass a continuing resolution, Jordan could say, wait a minute, but I'm not going to sign a waiver. I'm going to refuse to sign a waiver if you, if you, if you, you don't make certain changes. So then the FBI would be excluded from that funding because it's not reauthorized. Why is Trump not calling for that? I mean, tell me where I'm wrong. To me, this smacks of kabuki theater between DOJ and Trump. Remember, everything they do, they project on DeSantis. They're saying DeSantis is working with DOJ, which, of course, you know, whatever you think of DeSantis, it's absurd. There's no evidence of that. I mean, he wouldn't even have the ability to do that if he wanted to, which, of course, he doesn't. But it makes me wonder if they, this is their plan to win the nomination. They know ultimately ain't going anywhere. I, I, I disagree with Steve. I don't think they're I, I you know I don't think they're trying to put him in jail. I actually don't think that I think they're trying to do exactly what they're on their way to doing, which is getting him the nomination, making him very popular, but at the same time making him extremely unpopular with you know a hundred percent of the independents you need and you know 25 percent of Republicans where you cannot win a general election like that, that's what they're trying to do. And yes, if Biden gets unpopular enough, they'll swap him out for a fresh face that will definitely be able to defeat Trump. So my point is, these people are not serious. It's a joke. How many times did we do a show throughout Trump's presidency and I was like, I can't be more pro-Trump than Trump is himself. Or like, do this. It will be good for you. It will be good for the country. And one after another, you had those terrible appointees. 
He has not changed. It's all a freaking game. It's all a game. I, I, I just don't know what to tell what to tell you guys. But anyway, getting back to COVID, we need a reckoning. We need a reckoning. But that reckoning is going to be very hard with Trump as leader of the party. Number one, the COVID shots need to be defunded. We have the evidence. We have the popular opinion behind that. Refuse to fund them in the HHS appropriation bill and the FDA. FDA is not in HHS. It's in uh, agriculture. Next thing, demand that all... That, that the FBI, that, and this is very, again, these are things that are very easy to defend without going full anti-vax. Demand human trials. That you, you can now have immunobridgum, you know, uh, measuring antibody titers. You have to have human trials and you have to have a placebo-controlled trial with a legitimate inert placebo. You know, what attorney Aaron Siri has really led on this he has shown that almost every single vaccine that's ever been approved, and certainly the ones now, there is no legitimate placebo. And that's why we haven't vetted out a lot of the adverse events. They'll, they'll be like, okay, the uh, hepatitis shot versus the placebo will be, you know, the MMR, whatever. And that's, that's how they do it. Number three, end all gain of function. But but it's it's not just you know in some sort of throwaway. It's got to be all public, all private, on American shores and off American shores. And you need a a an enforcement mechanism of a cause of action that empowers any state attorney general to bring it against any individual responsible. So so you know you can't hide behind oh you know the DOD or something. We will find those individuals who did it. Number four. Reform emergency powers. How do we not have a bill seven months into the GOP Congress simply just just everyone agrees on lockdowns. They're even holding hearings on the lockdowns. It's funny. They won't even hold hearings on the vaccines. They'll hold hearings on yesterday's issue, but they won't hold like bill like do bills even on yesterday's issues like the lockdown. Make it that the president cannot just a simple, simple bill. The president cannot declare an emergency for more than 30 days, not just public health, because they're going to go to other things, and then they're going to call global warming public health too. But, you know, very simple. We don't live in a monarch. We all know that the most power is wielded precisely during an emergency. So that's precisely the time that you need more buy-in. Otherwise, if you're like... We're going to have separation of powers, three branches of government, except for the most important times. Well, then what's the point? This is what we learned with COVID. Again, these are not right-wing things. These are very easy to sell to the public. It's facially, politically neutral. Not applying it to one president or that, that Look, you need congressional buy-in if you want to extend it more than 30 days, and you place various limitations on what a president can do for those 30 days. Like lockdowns and closing churches and... You know, masking and things like that. Number, number. I don't know what, what we're on to. One, two, three, four. Okay, five. No tracking vaccination status. Okay, it's very simple. We have information the FBI has been tracking at. That the government cannot track that. A, a HIPAA law that your vaccination status is private. Number six. 
no blocking FDA-approved drugs. Any drug that the FDA, FDA has already approved cannot be blocked. They cannot recommend against its usage. How have we... I mean, this is a very simple thing, and this amendment has not been put forward, and I don't know why, but on the FDA appropriation bill, very simple, and you're going to have to do it on HHS too because CDC was also doing it. They cannot recommend doctors are free to reiterate this language actually on the FDA website that once a drug is approved, the manufacturer obviously cannot sell it for one thing that it's not approved for, but doctors are free to use it for anything they want. By the way, the, the sick irony is the doctors prescribing ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were, were doing the right thing. It's the government and the manufacturers pushing the COVID shots for cohorts that they weren't approved for or marketing it as sterilizing the virus. That violates their own laws. And by the way, um, it just literally is, um, it's, it's almost providential. As I'm on the phone, as I'm, you know, talking here, my phone just blew up the manager of Seven Cells Pharmacy that we use to get some of the stuff from. Um, they have told me that, you know, they will be dropping their, their early treatment site, their, um, earlytreatmentmeds.com. That was their website. Uh, it will be around for like another week or two. So if you want to get things like nidazoxanide, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin in a guaranteed pure, I can guarantee the purity of it. American made by these guys. They really test the purity. A lot of times you get the cheaper stuff from India. It might be good. I don't know. It is cheaper there. Um, but promo code Daniel, you get off. They told me it still works. But get it. Be They're going to end it soon just because they're trying to, you know, do what we're doing at um, Jace Medical to have these online pharmacies where you could get around the system. But they're like, we can't have these two drugs weigh us down. And, you know, as COVID has waned, obviously, there's less of an urgency and they, they won't get full licensure. They're really giving them problems. So they're going to have to do away with it. But it is still up now on earlytreatmentmeds.com. You could put in promo code Daniel there, uh, just FYI. But anyway, that's what we have there. Um, so blocking the FDA from, you know, dumping on approved drugs. Next thing, banning direct-to-consumer advertising that these companies are so subsidized they cannot advertise. Okay, there's only one other country that allows that. Obviously, the big one is the liability shield. And again, the liability shield is the is the palladium to knocking down this house of cards. That's the force multiplier. And it should be easy for everyone to say, look, I'm not anti-vax. Okay. Are you anti-car if you believe Honda and Toyota should be on the hook for recalling, you know, defective airbags? No, they do it all the time. Why should the company that is the wealthiest, that is done directly on your against your body more than any other product, and has so much government tailwinds like a immunization schedule and everything seamlessly making it a part of your life? Of course, they need to be on the hook for more liability. But we're not even asking for that. We're just asking for the same baseline degree of liability that Toyota and Honda get. How hard is that? We cannot let that go. DeSantis dropped that point in uh, South Carolina, I believe. A South Carolina 
um, town hall, one of our South Carolina team leaders actually was the one who asked him about it, and he, he mentioned the liability issue. You know, Trump obviously, as we well know, will never, ever, 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 ever do that. And then, of course, the final thing is treatment of the injured. We need funding, and that, that really should come out of pharma. But um, at least take the amount of money you, you would have spent on, the, on their vaccines and fund this. So these are simple action items. Again, if you believe something in your heart, and you're smart about it, and you give over the information, you give over the messaging, and then you have a direction like a ship in a harbor pointing towards that lighthouse. Here is where we need to get. Here's the channel that we need to travel through to get there. That's what we're going to do here. That's why I need you guys to give me a five-star rating on iTunes so we sail above these other empty calories, fat and carbs, or not fat and carbs, but sugar and carbs shows. This is your healthy fats and protein uh, version of doing politics correctly. This is the reckoning we still need, and we still haven't gotten, but I have not given up on it. Again, we got to cover other issues as well, so I've been doing this regularly, And but we, we are monitoring it. I am going to try. I, I met last night with our um, more than a dozen of our team leaders. Uh, I want to get a head start way before the January legislative session to work on this and many other issues. So if you want to join one of our teams, conaction.network is the website, conaction.network. Put in your state and tell us where we are. I will warn you, we are only doing red states at this point. If you're in an adjacent blue state, you want to join you know, a red state team, That's you know, you're more than welcome to do that as well. Let me know your comments, questions, concerns. Criticism, as always, is welcome. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com is the email. At rmconservative is the Twitter. All my columns are up. I got one on the border today. We're going to cover that later this week, maybe tomorrow or Wednesday at theblaze.com. Until tomorrow, focus on the truth. And God bless you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you.